So I just wanted to give you some context of what you just saw, man. That was our, our biggest outreach in like 700 days. We usually don't go that long. <laughs> um, had our best float ever, right? Okay, come on now. It's one of those things where you're walking down the road and you just see people with their mouth open as you go by. Uh, we got random applause as we went. Um, Star Wars nerds were out of their minds. We had 70 volunteers on parade day in costume and handing out stormtrooper masks and invites to church. Kids land the next day. Um, so to get to <laughs> one of our activities was the kids would uh, make little lightsabers out of pool noodles because what church doesn't give kids weapons to hit each other with? Um, but uh, that was our way of counting. So we knew how many kids we had come through based on how many lightsabers we gave away. So to give you some context, in years past, we are like out of our minds excited um, when like 400 kids come through there. And that's a lot, right? 400 kids. So this year, we gave away 1,000 lightsabers. 1,000. And I got to tell you, like, I was talking to some of the different volunteers who had an opportunity, you know, they kind of stand at the entrances and stuff. We just, this year felt different. There was something about it. Um, people seemed more receptive. God just kind of seemed like God was moving. So um, we planted a lot of seeds this week that God's going to use. Um, but here's the part I want you to know. Um, this is important. Listen, extraordinary results come from extraordinary sacrifice. Extraordinary results. Well, you, that little video you just watched, man. So many hours and so much blood, literal blood, sweat, and tears uh, were put into that. Um, so I want to do, forgive me, this is going to sound like Academy Awards. I have so many people to thank. Um, but I'll go fast. Uh, Kristen Hughes was our create, lead creative artist on the float. Her artistic ability and creativity is what made that happen. And for me, I'm so excited uh, because... Um, I don't know, you artist people, you know, most of the time you're stuck in a corner somewhere doing your art and stuff, but God kind of lifted that up and, and used a creative, uh, artistic thing to like surprise people and draw that, make them lean in a little bit. So I just love that. Kristen Hughes with, with her float work. Um, Nell Wirtz was right there with her. Nell Wirtz. Uh to put up with Kristen and help um, hours and hours invested in that float. Andrew Heck was the master builder. He put the skeletons together. Again, sorry, Andrew, for breaking one of them. That was my fault. Um, Jake McFarland with his precision driving and hours of getting the pieces of art attached to the float. Paul Grabowski, he actually pulled double duty, so he helped with the artistic side of the float, but he was also part of a group of characters who dressed up on Kidsland Day. So uh, Matt Deshaun was Darth Vader. Kristen Elliott was uh, Kylo Ren. Taylor Jones was some Star Wars character that I don't know, but he keeps telling me the name of it, and I forget because I'm not a Star Wars nerd. And then uh, Paul Garosti was Darth Maul, kind of looked like the devil, but that was okay. Uh, and these characters all, every hour, every single hour would come out to the middle of kids land and allow hundreds of kids to beat them with lightsabers and then walk back. A thousand kids hit them with lightsabers this week, all for the glory of God. It was amazing, right? Um, Jen DeLauter fed our entire crew in Kidsland three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And finally, Amanda McFarlane, uh, our outreach director. Y'all don't know. She is, I'm just going to keep reminding people, she's not on staff. She has a full-time job and three kids, and yet she still finds a way to engineer these things. It's just so amazing. But again, extraordinary results come from extraordinary sacrifice. And the only reason we got to see that is because a lot of people put a lot of work into it. Um, and I just want to say I, I am thankful. I don't want to be a part of any other church uh, because this one, man, putting, putting that kind of work in to see, just kind of giving that as an offering to God to see what God will do with it. I just love it. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much 
much for this week. And again, I just want to pray your spirit over those seeds that we've planted for the people um, out there right now, Lord, who maybe they're not going to come this week, they're not going to come next week, but in a couple of months when there something happens and you pull that string and uh, they go, hey, what was that one church? And they're going to show up because of the seed that was planted, Lord. So thank you for the sacrifice of everybody here who is a part of that. And uh, we just pray your spirit over that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, worship team. It's a good, good week. How you guys doing? You guys tired? It was a long week. All right. So we are closing out a series. If this is your first time here, we're closing out a series uh, called Hixont Leonis, which is a Latin phrase that means here be lions, which we've just talked about lions for a month. It was my excuse to talk about lions for the observant people. I've worn a lion shirt every week this month. That's nerdy, but I did it anyways. Took me a while to find them all. All right, so here's the opening line to to my sermon. There are three men in the Bible who killed lions. You should lean in. That's pretty cool. Surprising. It's more than zero, right? One would be impressive. Uh, But three men in the Bible are recorded as having killed the king of beasts. Two are pretty famous. Probably heard of them. One, maybe not. Uh, King David was one. Uh, It was part of his resume before he killed Goliath. Uh, Samson was another. The Bible's incredible Hulk. He uh, killed a lion. And then a, the lesser known one is named Benaiah. He uh, was one of David's mighty men, but he also has a lion kill on his resume. So here's the deal. I have been doing a ton of thinking about uh, all the lion stories of the Bible. We went on this theme. I've been leaning into it. And last week I was uh, sitting at my parents' house actually after Sunday. We kind of go over there on Sunday afternoons and I was literally like sitting on their couch and I just kind of had this epiphany as I was thinking about these stories. I was like, oh my gosh, like these stories kind of represent uh, different stages in people's life that they could be in. So I, I just started really going to work on this idea. So I want to add a fourth one in too. So we have our lion killers. And then I think just as impressive, uh, we could add Daniel to this list. So even though Daniel didn't kill a lion, he did survive a night in a lion's den. So I just want to put him on kind of an honorable mention onto the list of, hey, we got lion killers and we got a lion survivor as well. So um, I want to look at these four guys and uh, depending on the stage in your life that you're in, I think each one has like a lesson. So I'm calling this this sermon, Lessons from Lions, because I think there's a lion lesson in each of these stories, depending on which stage you're in, okay? So uh, we're going to actually, instead of doing one Bible story, we're going to do four Bible stories this morning. You're welcome. Uh, First, we're going to hit Benaiah, the one you're less familiar with. Benaiah, um, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, uh, kind of tells the micro story. So here it is. Uh, there was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included two, killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. For future reference, if I ever kill a lion, and you're writing the sto- my life story out, if one of you want to be my biographer and you're writing it out, if I kill a lion... Make it longer than a sentence in the story. <laughs> can you like make it a chapter maybe? Like, can you give me more information about how this went down, why this went down, all that? It's one sentence. We get that this Benaiah guy uh, killed a lion, not only killed a lion, killed a lion in a pit, not only in a pit, but on a snowy day. So here's the cool thing. Benaiah is kind of one of those like B-level characters in the Bible. You definitely know he's not on David's level. Paul, he's, he's, he's one of those guys who you may not know. But what's cool is we kind of get um, 
little snippets as he goes in his career. You can kind of follow Benaiah's career, his, his whole, all the way from this is kind of the beginning to the end. It's really cool. So um, let me give you how it goes for him. He starts here. This is the first place we hear about him in the Bible is killing a lion. Pretty cool. The next place you hear about him is he's becoming captain of uh, David's bodyguard. So I don't know. That's kind of cool. Like, I guess if you're getting resumes for people like, hey, who should we pick as a bodyguard? Like Navy SEAL, you know, cop, guy killed a lion. I want that guy, right? Like that guy is going to be my bodyguard. So, and since David also is a lion killer, it kind of makes sense. So uh, he becomes the king's bodyguard. Then from there, he becomes captain of 24,000 troops, which is a lot of people to be in charge of. So lion killer, bodyguard, captain of 24,000. And then when David dies and Solomon takes over as king, Solomon names Benaiah general over the entire army. So Benaiah, he has this whole, like, climbs the ladder all the way up for a warrior leader. That is as good as it gets, right? He's general over the whole thing. We kind of get to see the whole thing from a nobody, nothing, coming from nowhere to general of the entire army. So listen, this is what Benaiah's story is for you if you're just starting off. Um, Maybe you're young. Maybe you're in your 20s um, or or not even yet in your 20s. And this is the stage you're in. You're kind of in the starting blocks of life. You're you're, you're in a season of beginnings. Uh, If if that's you, this is for you. Or maybe maybe you're not. Maybe you're not in your 20s. Maybe maybe you are, though, in a season of beginnings. You're starting something in your life. You kind of feel like, man, I'm I'm just beginning something. If that's you, this Benaiah's lion is for you because I want, I think we can learn actually two lessons from Benaiah and his lion. Number one, Benaiah was a more than expected guy. He was a more than expected guy. He did more than was expected of him. And you know that, right? Like nobody was standing around when the lion jumped into a pit and the snow's falling going, dude, why didn't you jump down in there and kill that apex predator? You know, like why didn't you do that? Nobody was expecting it. And yet they're all standing there and there he goes. And he just jumps off into this pit and kills the lion. He was a more than expected kind of a guy. And if you're just starting off in something, man, I, I can't encourage you enough to be a more than expected person. Go above and beyond. Do what's required of you and then some. Don't be that guy, you know, that uh, the, kind of the opposite, the that's not my job guy. Don't be that guy. If you, if you want to have the progression that Benaiah had, if you want to move along in your life and be given more and more leadership, more and more um, responsibilities in your life, you cannot be a that's not my job kind of a person. You need to be a more than expected person. Faithful in the small things is what Jesus would, ta- would say. Um, I always... <sighs> like to think of it as in, um, the experience I have with people. Um, I get a lot of people asking for leadership, um, and usually when people ask for leadership, it's usually a dangerous thing. When I get people asking for responsibility, oh man, that's so different, because when you take responsibility, usually leadership gets given. So you take responsibility, leadership gets given. So if you're just starting off, man, don't, don't be the guy who leaves right at the end, man. Get the mop in your hand. Go after it. Uh, be the one who volunteers his tribute for whatever needs done. Like, get after it. Be a more than expected person because those are the kind of people who God uses and God blesses with more and more opportunities. More than expected. More than expected. And all the bosses said, amen. Okay. Second thing you can learn from Ben I, and this is one I guess you could kind of use anywhere, not just in the starting blocks of your life. Ben Aya tackled tough things in less than ideal conditions. He tackled tough things in less than ideal 
conditions. A lion is a tough thing. <laughs> a pit is not an ideal place to fight one, and a snowy, slippery surface is not the kind of footing you want when you're fighting one. Benaiah tackled tough things in less than ideal conditions. And he did, I mean, think about it. He could have waited for conditions to approve. He could have, he could have watched the sky. Like, when's it going to stop snowing? He could have waited for the lion to climb out of the pit. He could have done a lot of things not in that moment to convince himself not to go fight that thing. But he went even when the conditions weren't perfect. And I don't know about you. This one, I can, I can just own this. I'm really bad at that. I am, I am much better at saying, ooh, maybe there would be a better time for this. Maybe, maybe I could wait and things will line up a little bit better for me to start that thing. But I just want to tell you, and some of you, you know who has struggled with this? It's you perfectionists. You perfectionists suck at this, no offense. Yeah, there's something you're not perfect at. <laughs> you need to start when the conditions aren't ideal. Because you, um, you wait and you wait and you wait, and you know, you never start. There's this verse in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4.11. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. If you're a farmer and you're watching, you know, in the springtime, I got to get my field planted. Oh, wait, there's a cloud. I guess we'll do this tomorrow. I mean, that could happen forever. Your field's never going to get planted. Conditions will never be perfect for you to start that diet. They're not. There's always a birthday party. Somebody's always bringing donuts into the office. It's never going to be perfect. You have to go. Conditions are never going to be perfect for you to sign up for those classes. Oh, you know what you're waiting for? You're going to, you, you, I know. You're, you say to yourself, when things slow down. Guess what? Never will. You're just going to have to sign up anyways, right? Conditions are never going to be perfect for you to read that book. Conditions are never going to be perfect for you to send that resume out. Conditions are never going to be perfect for you to start that business. They're never going to be perfect. If you want to be like Benaiah, you have to tackle tough things in less than ideal conditions. You're going to have to go in anyways. Stop watching the sky for the snow to stop and go. So those are two things. If you look at Benaiah, specifically if you're in those early stages of life, man, be a more than expected person and tackle tough things in less than ideal conditions. All right, let's look at David, uh, Benaiah's boss. Y'all all right? I'm preaching better than you're responding. That's fine. Okay, whatever. I was all excited about this sermon, but whatever. Um, all right, David's lion story actually comes when he's getting ready to fight Goliath. He's trying to convince the king to let go pick a fight with a giant. So he's kind of giving the king his like resume. Uh, so the, where that happens in the story is 1 Samuel 17, starting verse 34. Here's what David says. Um, but David persisted. So they're kind of in this back and forth. And here's what he says. Um, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Don't, don't start there, David. That's not a good idea. Um, and then he says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue it from, uh, rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Um, that that's crazy. Uh, I have done this. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Kind of has a little growl at the end there. Now, he is fighting for the chance to go fight a guy who was about 10 feet tall. He is arguing with this person who's trying to talk him out of going to pick a fight with a giant. And this is how he's speaking. So question, where does that kind of confidence come from? Where does that come from? How, how do you get so fired up that you actually are trying to push people out of the way to go do something like that? So in this, this, this lesson here is for you. If, uh, you know, you, you already started. You already started. Uh, but but you're, not, you're not there yet. 
You know, you're, you're somewhere, you, you've left the starting blocks, but you're not at the destination yet. You're kind of in that, that messy middle part of life. You know what I'm talking about? Like where, where it's kind of a two steps forward, three steps backward process, and you're, you're not sure really how it's going to end. You, you have a dream. You have like a God-given maybe purpose. You, you think God's got bigger plans for you than you're currently living in. You've got a little bit of life behind you, but you're not there yet. You know, that place, that messy middle, man, it can be easy to get discouraged. Easy to convince yourself that maybe that dream is not God's dream. Maybe that's just your dream. Easy to be afraid of every single thing that stands in your way that that would prevent you from getting there. Easy to convince yourself that, that you don't have the energy to keep going. A messy middle. But here's the deal. So, and David's definitely in that, right? Because David, uh, if you know David's story, David had been anointed king, but not yet crowned king. So God told David, hey, you're, you're, this, is, this is who I made you, but he has a long way to go before he actually experiences that reality. So David's definitely in the messy middle here. You know what keeps David going? And this is the secret. This is what you need if you're in that messy middle. Uh, David is good at remembering. David is really good at remembering. This is something we, we have to get better at as Christians in general. David is good at remembering. He's, he's facing down a giant, and in that moment, what does he do? He pulls up a memory of some things that he's already experienced. David keeps receipts on all the stuff that God does for him. He keeps a mental journal, the faithfulness of God, right in the front of his mind. He, he didn't store those kind of memories way deep buried down. He kept them ready at the moment's notice whenever he would need them. So when he faced the giant, he remembered the lion. So if this is you, man, if you're, if you're in that, that messy middle, you've got to get really good at remembering how far God has brought you. You need to hit play on some of the memories of those times where you weren't sure you were going to make it through, but God kept you in the palm of his hand. You need to remember that. If you're running out of energy as you're going, you need to think back to another time where you were almost at the end of your rope and God just supernaturally sustained you. You need to remember that. You need to have a list, a mental list that you go to to remind yourself, God is good, God is faithful, he got me through that, he'll get me through this. You need to. You need a, a to, it's, it's not even, this one's kind of funny because, you know, Ben Aya was building his resume for this. This David's remembering God's resume, right? He's, he's like, no, God got me through this, this, and this. I can, I can handle that. He's facing the giant, but he's looking back at all the dead lions saying, no, look at, look at what God's done. This is nothing. And he has to kind of preach to himself about that. I think you do too. And I can tell you from being pastor here for a while, there was a lot of times early on where it wasn't just that like we weren't doing well. It was, are we going to be able to like be open? <laughs> like, are we going to be able to have a church? And then as we start to take risks and see God move, you know, moving to become a mobile church, was that going to work? We don't know. And then boom, God's done all this stuff. Doing all these crazy outreaches like the blue tip and, and the egg drop and like, do, can we do it? Are we going to fall flat on our face? Is it going to be a disaster? Every single time we have these things and God comes through, God comes through, God comes through. Um, and for me, you guys know, like I have this special place in my heart for when God like makes the weather awesome because you just can't control that, right? right? Amanda's awesome, but she can't do that. And I'm just like, when God does stuff like that, I just keep, I keep having to go back. And now here we stand, you know, on the cusp of moving into a new building and, and, and going after all that stuff. And I feel like I'm looking at a giant having to go, oh yeah, look at all those dead lions though. And just being able to kind of puff your chest up and go, it's not me. It's what God has done. We can face this. And that's what you need to be able to do in your life. 
You need to be, maybe you need to take some time, maybe this is your homework this week, to go through your life mentally and pick out some times where God has just moved on your behalf. And like, put them in a mental category where you pull them out anytime you face something that's big and go, yeah, but God did this. Yeah, but God did that. Yeah, God's been here for me this whole time. By the way, you have to have them because you're still here, right? You still exist. So God's moved in your life, right? You're... Like we say all the time, if you're not dead, God's not done. There, there is still movement. And I, I'm telling you, if you want to survive the messy middle, you need to be really good at remembering. And probably the biggest thing, side note, not side note, a lot of times um, in this messy middle, what Satan will come at you with is the giants of, of shame and guilt. Because it's not necessarily that you don't think you're like good enough to be who God wants you to be or do what God wants you to do, it's that Satan tries to convince you that you're too jacked up, that your past is too messed up, that, that you, you're just not, you're just not the, the kind of material that God would really use. And the lion you need to look back on in that is the one that hung on the cross, right? That's the biggest one that has to be, it has to be on this list, whatever big your list is, you need to be good at remembering that Jesus died on the cross for all that sin that Satan's throwing in your face. And he can't say anything about that because Jesus paid for it. That man, by, by the way, I think that's the essence of the Christian life. You, you need to get good at remembering that Jesus died in your place for your sins. Good at remembering that. If you, the better you get at remembering that, the better you get at actively remembering that, the better Christian you'll be, the better life you'll live, the closer relationship with God you will have. For real. That's the biggest one. So if you want to get through that messy middle, you need to get good at remembering. David's lion teaches us to remember. All right, let's look at Samson's lion. Samson's lion. Judges 14, starting in verse 5. Here's what happens with Samson. As Samson and his parents are going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacks Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Uh, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. I always like to point out stuff that, like, when you read the Bible, like, I feel like a lot of times you're trying to read it and you're trying to be, like, all reverent and stuff. I'm like, oh, yes, okay. But, like, it's weird. We just need to point out the weird parts. It's weird that the writer compares the way Samson tears a lion apart to the way you tear apart a goat as if you've had experience with that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, see, he did it so easy. You know, like, like when you tear apart a goat and you're like, yeah, yeah, dude, I get that. <laughs> like, it's not a thing we do anymore, but evidently back then, you know, uh, the comparison between an apex predator and uh, a goat you know, was interesting. Anyways, the moral of the story is that Samson tore this thing to pieces. I mean, usually in a lion fight, you're, the lion is, is the, the favorite and the human would be the underdog, right? But in this case, sure didn't seem like it. It seemed like the lion regretted this decision immediately. And he, I mean, it says he ripped the lion's jaws apart. The very thing the lion is going to use to kill him, he tore it apart from that point. If this is mortal combat, this is a flawless victory and a fatality rolled into one, right? This is a mess. He didn't just win. It was a blowout, right? So here's what happens. I'm going to just tell you the rest of the story. Later, Samson, uh, much later, he walks by the carcass of this, of this victory in his life, and some bees had come and made a hive in it, and he gets honey out of it, which is kind of gross, but he does. Um, then he goes to this party, and it's, I don't know, like I imagine it almost like this, it's got like frat boy energy to it because he's kind of bragging, they're kind of in the, some of the other guys are there kind of bragging. So he tells this riddle that has something to do with the lion. I'm not going to go into it. So it's something to do with the lion and the, and the bees. And uh, he, they place a bet on it. 
of whether they can figure this, figure this riddle out or not. Um, but Samson's so cocky and so caught up in himself um, that he doesn't realize that they, the guys he made the bet with went around him to his fiancée, got the answer from her, and came back and won the bet. So what was a victory became a defeat. And then he loses his mind and does all kinds of crazy things. He really is kind of like the Bible's Incredible Hulk. He just goes crazy um, on the Philistines. But his greatest victory became a defeat. So this is, this is for you. The stage you would be in if you need this one is if you, you maybe have, you, you've already started, you've kind of worked through the messy middle, and you're kind of in that place where you're starting to, we'll call it win. You maybe got a little win streak together. You like, you're good at some things and you like know it, you know, and some of you are like, I don't know what that's like. Well, it comes eventually, sometimes. Um, not for everybody, I guess, but um, if you get to a place where you're like, you're kind of doing it, you're, you're, you're succeeding. This is, this is the lesson you need to learn from Samson, and it's a really important one. Um, an unchecked strength can become a double weakness. An unchecked strength can become a double weakness. Because at this stage here, uh, Satan's got schemes, right? Satan has ways he works. I want you to know Satan will work to prevent you from being, quote, successful for a while. And then he eventually just kind of steps out of your way and says, go, go ahead. Uh, it's kind of like that push-pull game. He'll push, 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 push. And then he'll put his foot out and push you over it and say, go ahead and succeed. And that's what he did with Samson. It was Samson's, I mean, Samson was strong. Samson was ridiculously strong, but Satan used that to be his downfall. It, he didn't use his weaknesses, he used his strength. And I think that's, man, wouldn't that be crazy if in your life it wasn't your weaknesses that were your ultimate downfall? What if it was your strengths? By the way, you see those big stories, those big headlines of people failing? They don't fail because of their strength or their weaknesses, they fail because of their strengths. They fail because their strengths have become so pronounced that there's nothing checking them. Right? I mean, think about it. The person who's good with words, they can use that power for good or for evil, right? They can be the one who hurts you the worst with those words. The businessman who can make money hand over fist is also the guy who becomes greedy and selfish. The, the person, um, I, mean, I mean, think about all these different ways this could work in your life. The, biz, um, the, the natural born leader can become a tyrant. The person good at connecting with others can become the manipulator of others. Someone with a great work ethic can become the workaholic. All of the strengths that we have, if not brought under the lordship of Jesus, can become the thing that destroys you. And that's where if you get to this stage, you, you've started, you've gotten through the messy middle, you're starting to succeed, this is where Satan is going to step out of the way and say, go ahead, now I'm going to try and bring you down through your strengths. And here's the, <laughs> the check. Well, maybe one of them. Or two. We'll call it two. If you're, if you're good at something and you know it, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But if you're good at something and you know it, two things. One, that thing you're good at, it isn't yours. It isn't yours. And you need to acknowledge that and you need to remind yourself of that. Um, that this is not mine. God made me this way. God gave me this. Just like Samson, I mean, God gave him his strength. And Samson kind of failed to acknowledge that a lot. He acted as if it was his. So that's the first check you need. If you're good at something, you need to repeatedly acknowledge it's not yours. And then two, you need to be grateful for it. 
You need to have gratitude for the thing that God gave you. I think in a lot of ways that will, that will keep the thing from growing into the monster. If you can remember, I didn't do this, and man, I am thankful for it. I am grateful that God has given me this in my life. Those two things can really keep it in check. If Samson had done that, maybe his story wouldn't have went the way it did. But if you don't have those two things, one, Satan will use it. Two, God could take it. I think that's the worst part of the story. I acknowledge this all the time. Like, I have this crazy, like, you know, you ever do those weird, like, fear, like, the hypochondriac kind of fears? You guys do it? No. Just jump on WebMD and find out that you're dying. Like, mine always is like, what if, like, what if I got, like, throat cancer and I couldn't speak anymore? Like, what if the very thing that I was good at, like, God took it? You know, do you, I don't know if you guys ever do weird stuff like that, but the man, those are the things where I'm like, I have to acknowledge that whatever I think I'm good at could immediately disappear. That if God just decided, yeah, we're done with that, he could be. Or, or Satan can use it to twist it. Either way, the story isn't going the way it's supposed to go because, not because of your weaknesses, but because of your strength. So an unchecked strength can become a double weakness at that stage. All right, last one. Daniel. Daniel did not kill lions, but I think maybe more impressively, he lions didn't kill him, right? I mean, um, so here's the story. If you don't know it, I'll give you the cliff notes. Um, there were some people who were really jealous of Daniel's success, so he was kind of all the way at the end of the story. Um, they come up with this plot to bring him down. The only thing they could come up with to bring Daniel down is his relationship with God, which is pretty good. Um, Daniel's predictable. He prayed every day to God, so his enemies convinced the king to sign a law that it's illegal to pray to anybody but the king. Um, but Daniel prays to God anyways in an open window for everyone to see. The consequence was that he was thrown into a den of lions to be their dinner for that night. Uh, but when the king comes ba- back out the next day, he finds Daniel unharmed. Uh, Daniel 6.22, he's speaking after spending a night with lions. My God sent his angels to shut the lions' mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. Now, that's pretty crazy. I, I, again, I have to acknowledge, every time you read the Bible, we just kind of read these things so matter-of-factly. You know, ben Aya gets one sentence from his deadline. David didn't even, by the way, David didn't even have the lion story in the Bible. His was him remembering the lion story in the Bible. It didn't even make it. Samson, again, it's just a little side note. And here, Daniel's like, one sentence, yeah, you know, some lion, angels came and like closed the mouths of lions. It's just so matter-of-fact. But that's like, we should be blown away by that. Using a lion mane as a pillow. That's weird. He's like the only guy to ever do that. Um, but here's the part. So I grew up in church. Uh, you guys remember what a flannel graph is? That's how old I am. Just a little bit. I don't have a ton of flannel graph in my past, but I remember it was this little felt board and they'd stick little characters on it if you don't know what that is. So I remember that. And I remember doing a lot of coloring sheets with, with Daniel. And... Uh, you know, you get Daniel, you get Daniel on one side, nice little happy Daniel standing there all holy, usually have a little halo, and then you got a bunch of lions who don't look as fierce as they probably should, kind of over in the corner, just standing there like this, and I always color, color them in. Here's the mistake I made, maybe you make too. Uh, the beard on Daniel, I'd always color it brown, you know, because it should, he's, that's what, you know, that's what you do. You have the, if, if you had the skin color, you put the skin color, which by the way is probably the wrong one, but, um, and then you, you color in the beard brown, but here, if you did that, you made the same mistake as I did, because at this point in Daniel's story, he is in his 70s. Should have left it white. 
because he's old, sorry, if you're in your 70s, but that's true. <laughs> he's an old guy. So they, just imagine that. They're throwing a 70-year-old man down into a lion's den. He could have broke his hip just falling into the thing. It's probably the worst. He's old. But consider this. So you're not starting off. You're not in the messy middle. You're not even at like that in your prime like Samson. Daniel's at the end. And here's the part that messes me up. If I'm Daniel here, man, I could easily convince myself that what I did was not necessary. Like if you're sitting here, they just made this new law that you're not allowed to pray to God. Listen, I'm, set, I'm an old man. Leave me alone, right? I'm going to, instead of praying in my window, I'm going to go pray in my closet and y'all can shut up because I've lived a good life. He could have said that, right? He'd done a lot of things. Daniel had, had done amazing things up to that point. He started off as a slave. He ended up like second in command over the entire country. He had a resume. He'd done his thing. He didn't need anything else. But if he would have thought that, if he would have retired from his purpose, he would have missed out on the biggest thing that God did with him. Because now we know it as Daniel and the lion's den, right? The, the and the lion's den part didn't come till he was in his 70s. That's crazy. So if you're closer to the end of your life, see, because Dan, Daniel, he, he, he wasn't in the spring, he wasn't in the summer, he wasn't in the fall. Daniel was in the winter of life. But he decided, I'm not going to retire from my purpose. I'm not, I'm not going to be done with what God's doing with me. I'm not going to coast to the end. I'm going to sprint to the end. So Daniel decides he's going to leave it all on the field. And the greatest thing that God did with him happened at the very, very end. This was the masterpiece. This was the piece de resistance. This was the magnum opus of his life. And he wasn't sitting on the bench for it. So if you're getting older and you're starting to have that feeling like, your best days are behind you. I want to say, no, no, no. Daniel would be like, don't think that. God could use you most mightily at the end. Don't retire from your purpose. You can retire from your job, that's fine. But don't retire from purpose. Don't retire from mission. God can still use you. God will still use you. So, if you look at all four of these men, our lion slayers and our lion survivor, <laughs> The, thought, the thing they had in common is that they all lived for something bigger than themselves. They had a mission. They had a purpose. They had a reason for living and a reason for dying. Even Samson, our negative example, ends up giving his life for a cause that was bigger than him. The risk of slaying a lion is only worth it if you're doing it for a God-given purpose, a God-given mission, something bigger than you. So which one are you? Are you Benaiah? Are you just starting off? Do you need to be a more than expected person? Do you need to um, tackle tough things in less than ideal conditions? Is that where you're at right now? You're in that, the starting blocks of life and you need, you need to do those things to, to propel you into the next level? Or are you in the messy middle like David? You're just kind of, you're, you're not at the beginning. You're not where you're going yet, but you're in that middle. Do you need to be really good at remembering? You need to, to, to make a little resume, God's resume in your mind to, to pull to the front. Are you Samson? Are you good and you know you're good? Do you need to have gratitude for what God has given you, the strengths that you have? Acknowledge that they're his, not yours. Or are you David or Daniel? You in the winter of life and you have to maybe, maybe you need to come out of retirement, baby. Come on now, switch from 23 to 45. You can win another championship. Come out of retirement when it comes to purpose and get after it. None of you acknowledge that I just did that. 
Come on. Lessons from lions. I don't know which one God's working on your heart, uh, but I pray that it sticks. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I pray for the people who are starting off, Lord. I pray for the 20-somethings in this room. Wild time to be in your 20s, Lord. I pray for a spirit of more than expected coming over them, Lord. I pray for the courage to do hard things in less than ideal conditions. I pray for that for them. Lord, I pray for the person who's stuck in the messy middle right now. You would bring to their attention, that you would bring to their memory the things you've done in their life. And that they would, they would hold on to that. That their, their confidence would come from the dead lions of their past. I pray for the person who's, who's got it, Lord. They've got a win streak going and Satan's starting to tip into that pride thing. Lord, and I pray that they would just acknowledge that everything they have is from you. And that they would be full of gratitude in that season. And I pray for the Daniels in this room, Lord. People who are getting to the, that, that final leg of life, that they would know that the best does not have to be behind them. That you could do the greatest thing in their life still. I pray that they would step into that and live in purpose and in mission. And I pray for everybody here, Lord, that we would have that Leonine mentality. We would live for you, live for something bigger than us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, hey. Um, before you go, I have... Look at that, I, even, I did it. I, I plan to like be on time and I'm going to end up being on time. I have an announcement, Jake, but it's not like a normal announcement. It's more of a longer announcement. I need to give you some updates on some things. So I left a little bit of time for it. Um, so if you don't know, um, I'll start at the beginning. I always like to tell the whole story. So back in January, we did this fasting and praying uh, for 21 days. And one of the things we asked for as a church was for a home. We asked God for a home. And four days later, I got a call that a building had become available. And it was super weird because, like, there was all kind of secrets happening, but now I can kind of tell the whole story. So there's another church that meets uh, in the building that, that um, we're in the process of, of getting that God kind of provided for us here. Uh, it's the Crossroads building downtown. Crossroads is moving out, and we are moving in. Um, and God provided that. Guys, the story's crazy. I still, like... I need to like write it down. I mean, I remember it because I'm, I'm going to pull a David here and be like, I'm never going to forget the day I got that phone call when <laughs> we had been praying and I had like my eyes were bleeding from being on Google looking for a pl place where maybe we could m possibly meet because we've been mobile for five years. And it's been a long time. And I get that phone call where God's like, yeah, I like rearranged some stuff. I got you. Like, that's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, so it's been a minute since then. We've been working with some stuff. It's probably taken too long. So this week we signed papers to start the process with the financial and Institution. I signed on the dotted line, and we're going. Um, so that's exciting. Um, be praying for that. You guys, if you've bought a house before or done anything like this, it's a process. Um, and since we pray for specific things, um, pray that it closes in 45 days. How about that? Pray, pray that it is, because that would mean everything went well. <laughs> right? God, 45 days, let's have that happen. Um, so here's some other stuff that you just kind of need to know. I'm going to kind of spit at you here. As you also know, we, we started raising money. We did a little campaign. Um, many of you pledged, many of you have given, and man, I'm super grateful for that. Um, and usually when I'm doing like these vision kind of things, I like always like to tell like, hey, it's awesome. Everything's great. We're doing this. So here's the real thing though. Like we didn't hit our goal. <laughs> um, I hate doing that. I'm like, okay, so you can't clap. Um, we were about 120,000 short of what we had put out there as our goal. That doesn't stop us. Um, we're still moving forward. Um, 
it just makes every step a little bit more careful and maybe not be able to quite do all the things that we, we thought we wanted to. Let me add into that conversation also this. Um, we had hoped that the church that was leaving would maybe leave some stuff because we're mobile and we don't have anything. <laughs> um, so in conversations, we're pretty sure they're going to take most of it. Uh, so we don't like have anything. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, we're going to be able to get in. We're, I mean, God is moving. I, I trust God. And it sure looks like the math is going to work out. We're going to be able to get in there. But um, we may have to uh, think about Continuing the campaign, not if you've already given and sacrificially, man, I love you. I'm super grateful for it. But if you haven't given yet, this might be an opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to jump in. Because here's the deal. We will have a building. We can all sit crisscross applesauce in the sanctuary and it'll be awesome. But we might need some chairs and some tables and some other stuff to kind of put in there. You know, you ever heard the, the term uh, house poor? That would kind of be us. Um, so we might have to switch back into that. So, so keep your ears open. Keep your heart open for in August. We're going to be, we'll have more of an idea of what we need to get in there. You know, we need to have a sign. We need to put some paint on the walls. We need chairs. We need that kind of stuff. So we'll probably be heading towards that. Um, and by the way, if you have pledged already and you're working on getting that, man, again, super, super grateful. Don't, don't stop uh, because we need to continue in that direction. Um, ooh, here's the exciting thing. So that was sad, but now let's get to the exciting thing. I believe, I'm like 99% sure, still in pencil, not in pen. Don't put this in stone. Don't tell me that I said something that I didn't say here. But here's what I think. I think um, our first Sunday in that building could be August or... <laughs> Now, shush it. October 3rd. October 3rd. Um, which, by the way, is really cool month because there's a first Friday that happens, I think the first. Yeah. First Friday happens October 1st downtown, so we could have a cool outreach there. Then they do that scare on the square thing, like the 20 and the 20, 21st, 22nd, something like that. So we could have two major outreaches the very month that God puts us down there. Again, it's like almost like God's working behind the scenes for us to be here. So uh, I guess the big thing I want you to take away from that, I just wanted you to know all the stuff. And then, man, be praying these next couple months. Like it's it's one of that, that touch and go thing. Like, man, all these things have to come together. Just pray that God's hand will be on it and that... Um, it would be another tool to, to reach people. So, uh, and matter of fact, can we, can we just pray right now? I'll just pray one more. I'm sorry for obnoxiously praying a lot, but man, I just want to together pray. When it's church where I'm allowed to. Jesus, uh, we just pray your hand on this process as we pursue the thing that we genuinely believe you, you provided. Lord, you did this. <laughs> you, you killed the lion. Um, so, so we're facing the giant, believing that you can. Lord, we, we pray your hand and your spirit over this whole process. Lord, we pray that that building would be used to reach people for you, that, it, that we remember it's not ours, it's yours. And, and we want to see people come to faith in you in that building. And I pray for everybody here, Lord, that they would be drawn to wanting to be a part of that. Not just come, but be a part of what you're doing. That this would be that thing that they're caught up in that's bigger than them. And that they would, they would want in their spirit to, to, to add all of, our, all of our resources, all of our energy together to do this thing, to see Wadsworth transformed under your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, you can stand up and go enjoy the 90 degrees. See you later.